that's, that's what I grew up, grew up with and that's, that's my family as a starting point um, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what yours is like we're going to look a little bit today of what the Bible talks about the family of God is like what the Bible talks about the church should be like and for me this is what I came from. I, I got involved with a church like this in Fort Collins. I'll talk a little about it later when I went to college. But this is kind of the background I was coming from. I was ready to just get to college and be done with my old life and, and get something new. Um, and I happened to bump into God's family, a little church up in Fort Collins called The Rock. It's a lot like this one. And um, God started to do some things in my life. but. Why don't we pray and then we're going to get in the Word and look at a few things God has to say on it. So why don't you pray with me. God, we thank you for this morning. Uh, We just thank you uh, to be together. God, it's a good thing when we get together. It's a good thing when we open your Word. You say it's living and active. God, it's not dead words. You say today that it wants to change us, that it wants to make us different people, that it wants to bring us closer to you that you want to work through it and we ask that you do that that you'd be working on each of us today we ask that you'd redeem the next few minutes we have together and it'll be worth something and you'd impact us Amen Alright, you should have a house bible under your chair it's like this you're going to open up to page 1208 we are in 1 John 3 and you should have gotten a handout if you're missing either of those you might raise your hand and these guys in the back might be able to find one
He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does what is right, I'm sorry, whoever does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Wherever our heart, sorry, whenever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends of our heart, do not condemn us. We have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask, because we obey His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His command: to believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commands us. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And this is how. We know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Amen. Well, it's a pretty juicy chapter there, a lot going on. But we're going to just hone in on a few things that really highlight how God, the kingdom of God, is a lot like a family and how God interacts to us like a family does. God interacts with us specifically like a father does to children. Um, the first verse says, How great is the love of the Father. The love of the Father is lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are. So the first point you're hitting out there is that we have become children of God. And the Bible talks about how this happens. Um, you know, you can ask from this verse, does everyone in the world become a child of God? From what it says there, uh, I didn't write the reference down, but one, one verse I think of, John 1.12, says, Yet to all who received Him, talking to Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So it says not everyone, but if we put our trust in Christ, if we receive Him and believe in His name, God says that we become children of God. In places in the Bible, it literally says that we are born a second time. We are born again. That's where that phrase born again Christian comes from, that we've been born again as children of God. That's exciting. I could... I'm not going to be on this all day, but I could. That's a very exciting thing right there that God has said, if you believe in Him, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my child. That's a very exciting thing. God specifically went out, if you believed in Him, He went out and He wanted you. If you don't believe in Him, 
recognize that he might be pursuing you to bring you into the kingdom as a child of God. That's his desire. Um, you know, beyond just being a child, the second point there is that we have been adopted, is the blank. Um, we have adoptions here. It's where someone takes a child into their family as a, uh, not in their home, and just includes them as part of the family. Uh, on your on your sheet there, it talks about a verse in Romans, and you don't need to turn there. But it says, "For you have not." Re-, it says, "For all who have been led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father." The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's an exciting thing. Um, If you believe in Christ, if you put your trust in Him, God was so excited about you that He made a very intentional decision to adopt you into His family. Um, I was out at a a funeral a couple weekends ago for my wife's uncle, and... um, it was a big topic in their family of like father-in-law was adopted and, and his brother had all kinds of foster children and we we're talking a lot about adoptions and foster children so it's fresh on my mind but by adopting a kid it's not a very easy act even in, in our culture um, you have to go through all kinds of paperwork and you have to bring them in and you give them a new name you call them by your family name and you agree to the state to, to raise them and to pay for them and to give them all that they need to do your best to raise them. And Christ has done that for us, that he adopted us. Um, it means that he went through all that distance because he wanted you in his family. That's very exciting too, that God would adopt us into his family. Um, with that, the next point is that we take on Christ's name. Um, this is a this is another exciting thing. If you're adopted, if you adopt a child, the child takes on the family name, and so it is with Christ. The word Christian just comes as one who is in Christ, one who is in His family. It's not about showing up at church on a Sunday that makes you a Christian. It's have you received Him and have you been adopted into His family? That verse. On the side there in Acts, again, you you don't need to turn there, Um, but it says, Simon related how God first concerned himself about taking from the Gentiles a people for his name. There's prophecies written that God, um, there's one that says, all the Gentiles will be called by my name. God prophesied it, and then he did it through Jesus, the Gentiles even, which is what most of this room would be would be called by His name if we believe in Him. That's also exciting that we're called by the name of God. For me, if I, once I believe in Christ and put my trust in Him, I'm no longer just an Albert, my last name, but I've taken on Christ's name too. I'm in a greater family. There's a greater tradition and heritage that I've been adopted into, I've been grafted into, which is also very exciting. 
The next point is that we are loved. When you adopt a child into your family, you agree to love that child, to pour out on them, and God did that with us. That verse in John 15:9 is Jesus talking. It says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. God didn't just adopt us and leave us there. He's wanting a passionate relationship with us where He continues to love us. And that's, that's very exciting for me. For my situation, I talked a little about my story. I showed up on a college campus in Fort Collins at CSU. And I told you about that family situation I came out of. I didn't have a lot of hope in families or where my family might be going. Probably not a lot of different from other families. But I started, you know, I really started living for Christ. And I got in a church where it was a family situation. And later I'll talk about some of the ways that that blessed my life. But I had a new hope that I was a family beyond my shattered one that had the same last name as me. But I was in the family of God with children of God and started serving with people. And it changed my life to be with the people of God. God started to work as I started to get in His Word and go to church and made great changes in my life. And that was very exciting. Like I said, I could stay there the whole day on that topic. It's a very exciting thing, but we'll keep we'll keep moving to get you home before dinner time. Maybe catch the end of the Broncos game. The next the next point here is that we are recognized as God's children by our obedience. In First John here, we jump down in verse seven. It says, "He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous." He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. It's kind of a heavy verse there. A little convicting if you're a believer of what it says about our life. It says that if you put your trust in Christ that you're righteous just as He is righteous. And if you haven't, you're sinful. I didn't write that. The Bible did. God did. Um, a few things I can take from that one is that we should be continuing to grow in righteousness it's kind of a churchy word but it just means being right righteous it means doing the right thing specifically doing God's commands is what it talks about Um, there's a lot of sections in there that talks about being without sin and becoming righteous there's a couple ways to look at that. It's easy to think, does that mean if I'm a Christian, I'm never going to sin again? I've been a Christian in a little while, and unfortunately that's not true. found that out the hard way. We don't, we're not free of all sin. But what it means is that we're growing in righteousness. We're starting to make more right choices. We're starting to obey God more. We're never going to be... Paul talked about all the time that he was never going to be free of his flesh. He was never going to be free of his sinful nature. But he was striving towards God to grow more like Him. And that's what should be going on in our life. 
the next the next point there is that we should follow the voice of our master. Um, this verse in John ten. Turn to it's talking about Jesus as a shepherd was an analogy used a lot about him that he used himself that we were like sheep and he was like a shepherd that would lead his people it says I tell you the truth the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has brought out all his own he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice so we should follow the voice of our master the example is of a shepherd with his sheep that when he calls them they follow it's a very gentle thing that they know his voice and they follow him as is with many animals that there's a lot of commands you can give an animal and oftentimes you can train them and they'll obey you I don't know, you know, one thing with a lot of animals, with, even with dogs, I know a lot of you have dogs. There's a lot of dogs in my family too, I've been seeing a lot about them. But you can teach dogs a lot of commands, roll over, sit, eat, bark, whatever you want to teach them, shake your hand, seen some of them, and they'll obey the master's voice. I don't know if you've ever tried to go up to someone else's dog that's trained and give them the same commands. They tend to just cock their heads to the side and look at you. I don't know if you've tried that before. I've noticed that. There's a reason. Because they know the voice of their master. Sometimes it's the same with kids. None of your kids that parents can train them and give them commands and then leave them with a babysitter and they can say the same words and not listen to the babysitter. None of your kids, I'm sure. But they tend to know when their parent is in the room. Their parent can probably say a lot less and they quiet down and obey because they know of some discipline coming. But they know the voice of their parents. They know that thing. So it should be with us. We should be known that we follow the voice of our master. It should be obvious by our lives. You could take an animal off the street that was trained by someone that's a professional or you know one of those people on those TV shows and someone that gives no effort and you could probably tell which is which by whether or not they're obeying or you could tell as a child whether or not they're obeying if their parent is training them and who their parents are so it is with us that you should be able to tell by our lives whether or not we're obeying our master now this point is that we're recognized as God's children there should be something that's changing we're continually growing and becoming more like Christ You know, a few questions. You know, we can say you're a Christian if you go to church on Sunday. I think there's more to it that we have received Christ. Like we talked about, we become His children to become more like Him. Maybe you're wondering whether or not you're a Christian. I don't know what your background is, if you've accepted Christ. But just a few questions to ask yourself. I don't know your heart. I don't know what your background is with God. But it should be evident in your life if you've become a Christian and you put your trust in Him. Just a few questions. Do you want to obey God? Is it on your heart? Is it a desire of yours? 
Are you growing in righteousness? Are you growing more like God? Can you see year by year ways that you become more like Him and less like you are on your own? Are you ashamed of His name? Or are you... Do you like to be called by His name? Does the name Christian give you jitters somewhere? Or is that a good thing you'd like to be identified by? Are you trusting God for your eternity? Do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? Is that a thing of hope because you put your faith in Christ? Or is that a thing of uncertainty or terror because you don't know where you're going? Those are a few questions just to ask yourself. It should be evident in your life by what's going on, who your dad is, whether or not it's God. For me, that gives me a great hope that there's more that can be of my life than my family line. I got married last year to a wonderful gal named Sarah here. You don't know me, and it's been a great blessing and excitement. I talked about my family history. I know as a, as a young man, I wasn't that excited about marriage. There's people in my family that have um, just kind of forsaken marriage because it's so broken in my family. They don't see much there to, to go for and go after. It's about brokenness just as not marrying and living together brings brokenness. For me, it brings a great hope that I've been grafted into another family. I have more to to live for. There's more heritage going to me than just my last name that has a bunch of marriages in shambles. It gave me a hope that I've been grafted into the name of a Christian, like Christ. Now, Christ said of His church, of His people, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. There was a certainty. He drew a line in the sand and said, You're mine and I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I can take that family line. I'm grafted into that family, which for me is very exciting. It gives me a lot more hope. I think of going into that marriage that I can trust in a God that's unchanging. I can take that attitude and have trust that God would give me a marriage that's like his family and not like my family that I grew up in which is pretty exciting for me because if I had the fruit just based on my family I don't think I'd have a very pleasant life to be real honest we'll talk about one last area here we talked about that God has adopted us and we're known as we obey God. You know, one more aspect to talk about is how we relate to one another in this family. We talked about how we relate with God. It talks about this in 1 John here in verse 3.16. It says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That verse has changed my life, living in a different way and seeing that laid out. The point up there is that we are called to lay down our lives for our siblings. This is how we are to interact with one another. That's a tough verse. If you're familiar with the story of Jesus, He gave up His whole life. He died on a cross for His people. If you believe in Him, even if you don't, He wanted that to be for you that he gave up his whole life, everything he had going for him on earth, he was nailed to a cross and died for our sins. He laid down his life and went through the most painful thing I can imagine. And we're told we 
ought to lay down our lives for our brothers because now we know what love is based on that. That's a challenging verse. But it should shape how we interact with one another as Christians. A few ways I thought of that I've seen it laid down for me and continue to be challenged in. The few things God was convicting me on. First was by spending our money. Are we laying down our money for one another? I've seen this lived out in the church. Um, there was a period in my life when I was in college. Some of you are pretty good at college and tend to get done quickly. I was not. There was one class I had to take four times to pass. It was a math class. It was the last math class I ever took. I don't know if I'm that good at it. Four tries. It was a sophomore level class, too. I think I finally passed it my senior year. I needed it to graduate. That was good. There was one point where I was doing bad enough that I dropped out of school, and I was working at a grocery store in town, and I started a full-time job, and then my hours kept going down until I was working about one shift a week, so I didn't have a lot of money going on. And I saw people in the family of God lay down their life for me with their money. I think of... uh, you know, in our church, we used to go out to the old Chicago. It's a pizza restaurant in town and hang out sometimes. And there was a few times I remember going to that restaurant that, you know, some people knew my financial situation. They didn't have a lot. I tried to eat my whole meal for a week, all my food in $5. Um, I tried to get leftovers from the grocery store at the, at the deli that had been sitting out all day and eating at the car, but I didn't have a lot of money going on. I remember we'd go to that old Chicago I remember one one of the guys in our church would actually sneak out and give the waiter his credit card when no one saw it so I would never get a bill. I never asked him to. He would just go out and do this because he wanted to lay down his life with his money. I know there was another gal that I was I was just out running around with a few people and I remember on multiple occasions she ran out from the back seat and swiped her card for the gas before I could even get out of the car because she knew kind of my situation. People laid down their life for me with their money and they were willing to give it to me. That impacted me that people were willing to do that in God's family. It wasn't what I'd seen in the rest of the world. I've seen a lot of these people lay down their life with their money. Are we continuing to do that? It's a tough time financially, but God calls us to lay it down for one another, lay it down for people that don't know Christ, Um, To God, it's a tool He's given us to use to bring Him glory. He says to use our money now to be um, good stewards of it is is to use it to gain friends for ourselves so that when it runs out, um, He might remember us or they might remember us in that. Another way we can lay down our lives for one another is by using our time. We're all very busy, aren't we? A lot of you are in school. I know a lot of you are in school and working and doing a lot of other things. A lot of you have kids and are working. And I don't know anyone that doesn't feel busy. It's easy to feel busy and overwhelmed by things. But God wants us to invest our time. I have to ask myself all the time, am I getting too busy to invest my life or am I willing to invest it? I think of many men that have invested in my life over the years by their time. Um, When I showed up at a church, I wasn't a very good asset. I was trying to 
get a date with some of the women in the church and that being very honoring to them I was pretty rough in my speech I didn't trust people a lot I liked sports I went to ditch church we were in a high school and I found a room in the back that had football on it and I ditched church to watch football in the middle of church one time none of you do that today I know the Bronco game's on but stick with us I was kind of rough around the edges when I showed up and men invested their time in me not knowing what would come back they invested their time and that impacted my life that changed me Um, I wanted to read a quote from a book I don't know if any of you heard of this it's called The Purpose Driven Life it was big about 10 years ago by a pastor named Rick Warren out in California at Omega Church it just talks about how can we have a life that's worth more than ourselves how can we live a life of purpose and there was one chapter that stuck out to me on this topic that he quotes a verse from 1 John on it um, specifically about our time he says time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it you can make more money but you can't make more time when you give someone your time you are giving them a portion of your life that you will never get back your time is your life that is why it is the greatest gift you can give someone is your time it is not enough just to say relationships are important we must prove it by investing time in them words alone are worthless and then he quotes 1 John 3.18 which we read today he says my children our love should not just be words and talk it must be true love which shows itself in actions relationships take time and effort and the best way to spell love is T-I-M-E the essence of love is not what we think or do or provide for others but how much we give of ourselves how much are we giving of ourselves to other people when it comes to our time are we pouring out our lives or are we hoarding our time I can be very guilty of that I feel busy like a lot of people do and I hold on to my time maybe even more closely than my money I hold on to my time and I have to continually let go of it all to give it up to Christ another way is by serving one another Jeff may talk about this some next week the next chapter talks a lot about serving one another but we're called to lay down our lives through serving one another when you think of that word it is what it looks like it means like a servant like laying down our lives and doing things we don't want to for one another I've been blessed by the family of God serving me over the years I was thinking a few years ago we were living downtown in these apartments and there was like one apartment of single gals and we had one apartment of guys I was just thinking of an example when I moved I remember moving out of this apartment and I was still growing in my cleanliness it wasn't the cleanest place ever and I remember a few of the gals in the church coming over and like opening up the stove and scrubbing under there with Ajax until it looked clean at that time I didn't know you could open up a stove and scrub under there I was a single guy and growing in cleanliness I think I've been growing in that some or I have a wife that's helped me grow in that a lot now 
But I just remember gals coming over and scrubbing and cleaning and helping me move from place to place. I didn't pay them. That was just the family of God. They invested their time and they served me. Another example of moving seems to be for years we had sh- we wanted to have shirts that said the Firehouse Moving Ministry because we were all renting places and seemed to move every six months to a year and so we were constantly moving people. I was no different. I think of um, over the summer we bought a house and moved and we just sent out a quick email I think and asked for anyone that would help. And we were just moving out of this apartment. I guess it was a duplex. And when we showed up to move, I think about 15 people showed up our door to help us move, and it was done in two hours. Our neighbor walked out and asked what was happening, that that many people were congregating. And I told them that we had just asked for help to move. And they were kind of blown away because they'd never seen that many people ask to move. In the world, you can ask whoever you want out there. And they generally probably won't give up a Saturday and come help you. But in the family of God, I've been blessed by servants to give up their time and serve me. And God wants us to continue to think like that. To look for ways to serve one another. Um, to be a servant means giving up a place too. Giving up what we think of ourselves. And being brought low and helping one another. Paul was a great example of being a servant. Paul's a great example of this giving up his life for his siblings, for the people of God. One verse I think of, he was writing to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 12.15, Paul said, I will most gladly spend and be expended for your soul. I'll most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. He just talked about how he didn't want their money for preaching and sharing his life with them. He wasn't expending his life because he knew he'd get something back and they'd help him one day. He was happy to pour out his life for other people, for that church. And that church grew a lot because he gave of himself. He gave of himself the word of God. He gave of himself love and time and he visited them. He was happy to pour out his life. Um, to another church in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 he says we loved you so much that we were delighted to share not only the gospel not only the truth of God but our lives as well he poured out his life for other churches and he was running around starting churches because of it because he was giving his life do we have that attitude? are you willing to pour out your life for those around you regardless of the results? You know, I think of me, I, I tend to want to see something back. I'll pour out my life. If I see someone growing in righteousness like we talked about, if I see someone coming around more, if they're nice to me, if they're a blessing, I want to pour out my life and my flesh. If they're not, I want to just give up and go somewhere else and move on. You know, Paul didn't have an attitude to just move on when it got hard. He stuck with these people in these churches through hard times, through sin, through struggles. And God wants us to have that same heart. A family involves us pouring out our lives to one another, pouring out our lives so that more people are adopted into the family, to those that don't know Christ. Are we willing to do that? 
we tend to define a disciple passing on discipleship as sharing the word of God but there's a higher calling to share our lives to give of ourselves our money our time our service everything we have God asks us to pour that out to the family of God I don't know a lot of your history if you've been in a church before maybe you were when you were a kid maybe you weren't but I've seen just a whole different life in the family of God a life where people really do lay down their lives for one another where they really do want to obey God and it's changed my life and blessed my life and I want to pass that on to other people I encourage you if um, I talked a lot about whether or not you might be a Christian whether or not you've received Christ if that's something you haven't done you haven't been accepted into God's family at all I encourage you to, to ask someone that invited you today what on earth I'm talking about if that's confusing you might ask around or talk to me afterwards maybe I'll hit it in a couple weeks but um, there's a free gift there that God wants to invite everyone he's continually willing to invite people into this family of God and it's a blessing to be in but just like um, a kid can reject going to a new family when they're trying to be adopted so we can reject God for our whole lives if you haven't accepted that just know that God wants you He wants your heart and He wants you to be in His family He wants you to be called by His name so I encourage you to chew on that tonight chew on that today to understand where you are as it relates to God's family and how you can bless if you are a Christian how you can bless God's family and lay down your life more and more let's pray God we thank you for today we thank you that you've set us in a family God I don't deserve to have a family beyond the one I was born into there was nothing about me that was worth being adopted but you called called me out and you gave me a free gift for me to accept and you called me into your family which is true with a lot of us and we thank you God we just praise you that um, it says in the Bible that you've become a father to the fatherless it says in another place that you've set the lonely in families God and we, we give an amen that you have set us in a great and wonderful family and we praise you that you are a wonderful father help us grow in obeying you help us grow in serving one another and God if God, if there's anyone that doesn't know you today here, I pray that they would be added into that family. God, that they would consider the gifts that you've given them and they would seek out, God, to, to understand the love that you have for them. That you have a great love for each person on this earth and you want them all to be a part of that family. And we just pray that you would continue to reveal yourself and just draw people to yourself. And we lift this up in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We will be back again next week at 10 o'clock for church to come back. We're going to keep this Get a Life series. Please join us. And we have those Wednesday night meetings. So ask someone that invited you. We'd love to have you there.